The following is a presentation of Tomorrow's World. There is a crisis in the churches of our day. Young people, the lifeblood of the future, are leaving in record numbers. The last few years, we've become familiar with a new term describing many people's religious affiliation. It's called none, N-O-N-E. This is the person who, when asked on surveys, what is your religious affiliation, he or she simply responds, none. This group of people has grown so large that now as many as 35% of college-age millennials in America today are unaffiliated with any religion. That's one in three. This trend is nothing short of a seismic shock to the very foundation of modern America. But it's not just the United States. Listen to this quote from the April 22, 2016 issue of National Geographic magazine. The religiously unaffiliated, called nuns, are growing significantly. They're the second largest religious group in North America and most of Europe. France will have a majority secular population soon. So will the Netherlands and New Zealand. The United Kingdom and Australia will soon lose Christian majorities. Religion is rapidly becoming less important than it's ever been. Hundreds of thousands of young adults are giving up on God and giving up on their church. This vibrant generation who are the strength and stability of society to come have given up. Is there hope for the next generation? If you're concerned about that, you don't want to miss today's program. Stay tuned. Welcome to Tomorrow's World. Young people are leaving churches today in droves. They have no confidence in what the churches are saying or doing. Many don't find church attractive or relevant. Many find churchgoers not authentic, not practicing what they preach. Churches are bleeding their lifeblood, the youth, the future. According to the Barna Group, only 2 in 10 Americans under 30 believe going to church is important. This is by far the lowest percentage of any group of adults. 35% even say that church is harmful to you. They are anti-church. Many young adults say going to church is toxic. They feel it will hurt you. It will damage you. So what are churches doing to stem the tide? Not much, according to 28-year-old speaker and writer Sam Eaton. Notice what he said in his online article of February 9, 2017, entitled, 59% of Millennials Raised in Church Have Dropped Out. Despite the steep drop-off in Millennials, most churches seem to be continuing on with business as usual. Sure, maybe they add a food truck here or a bowling night there, but no one seems to be reacting with any level of concern 
that matches these staggering statistics. Where is the task force searching for the lost generation? Where is the introspective reflection necessary when one-third of a generation is anti-church? Why are they leaving? Is there something wrong with them? Or is it a sign that there's something wrong with the churches in America and other Western nations? You may have heard the illustration before that too many people spend a whole lifetime of striving to climb the ladder of success only to find out when they get to the top, the ladder was leaning against the wrong wall. Let's apply that to mainstream Christianity today. Maybe millennials are smarter than some give them credit for. Maybe some of them have put their finger on, at least in part, a moral failing of what should be a strong foundation of Western culture. Maybe some of them have figured out that the ladder of popular Christianity is leaning against the wrong wall. It's entirely built on the wrong foundation. We don't have to look very far to see that, yes, there are some serious cracks in professing Christianity today. There are moral failings that go far beyond just the outer veneer or facade. It's not just something you can whitewash or paint over. There are serious cracks in the very foundation. What am I talking about? Well, consider this. Back in 1927, the British philosopher and social critic Bertrand Russell gave a speech entitled, Why I Am Not a Christian. It was later put into the form of a book, and he wrote on page 25, The teaching of Christ, as it appears in the Gospels, has had extraordinarily little to do with the ethics of Christians. Lack of positive personal moral standards lived, not just preached, has been a huge source of disillusionment among the younger generation. According to the Barna Research article, Americans divided on the importance of church from March 24, 2014. There are three major factors why millennials are opting out of church. In roughly equal numbers, 35% of millennials who've stopped attending church cite the church's irrelevance, the church's hypocrisy, and the moral failure of its leaders as the reasons why they walked away. Why have professing Christians veered off so far from what Christ really taught? You know, Jesus taught a way of life. He set an example of how to live. These basic things are simply overlooked by most. But we don't want you to overlook them. So we've prepared this booklet we're offering today. What is a true Christian? It cuts through the moral chaos and confusion and goes straight to the source. How does God define Christianity? What does Christ expect from his followers? These are not theoretical questions. They apply directly to what's happening in your world today. This booklet pulls no punches leaves no stone unturned. So order today your copy of What is a True Christian? Call, write, or click online. We'll send it to you, as always, totally free. Today's offer is yours absolutely free. No cost, no obligation. Call now, 1-800-236-0531. 1-800-236-0531. Or write to us at the address on your screen. Or visit us online at tomorrowsworld.org.
With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. And be sure to go to tomorrowsworld.org forward slash digital. Have a digital subscription sent right to your email inbox faster than postal mail. Visit us online now. In our first segment, we discussed how tens and hundreds of thousands of young people are no longer interested in church. The church's irrelevance, the church's hypocrisy, and moral failings are all contributing factors as to why many people are disillusioned. What did Christ say about this topic? Go get your Bible and let's read it together in Matthew 7 and verse 15. He said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Jesus Christ was patient with those who admitted their sin and wanted to change. But he rebuked those who put on a show of being good when in fact their deeds were evil. When the Pharisees scolded Jesus because his disciples didn't wash their hands in a certain way, notice what he told them in Matthew 23, verse 27. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. He compared the religious leaders of his day to burial tombs, beautiful painted mausoleums that are ornate on the outside, but full of rotting flesh on the inside. The same could be said about a church today. Without godly virtue and ethics, it will not inspire faith and confidence and hope. Sin and hypocrisy is like an infection, and if left to grow, it will spread, and it will ultimately kill the organism. Consider some observations about the modern church by George Barna, the founder of the Barna Group, which does research on cultural trends. In his book, Revolution, written in 2005, he stated the following, One of the greatest frustrations of my life has been the disconnection between what our research consistently shows about church Christians and what the Bible calls us to be. He then gave some examples of actual behavior of respondents to surveys taken by the Barna Group. He said, The most significant influence on the choices of church believers is neither teachings from the pulpit nor advice gleaned from fellow congregants. It is messages absorbed from the media, the law, and family members. Here's another one. When asked what constitutes success in life, Few believers define success in spiritual terms. Most describe outcomes related to professional achievement, family solidarity, physical accomplishments, or resource acquisition. 
Now think about it. Would you blame young people for not wanting to be a part of a group when being in that group has no tangible, positive impact on their lives? Being in a group does not, in many cases, produce any change that is beneficial to the individual. Let's put it in more blunt terms. A lot of professing Christians just aren't living like real Christians should. And people have noticed the hypocrisy. Way back in 1968, a song written by Tom T. Hall called Harper Valley PTA became a major international hit. It was about a self-righteous school board in a rural American community that accused a student's mother of questionable behavior. That mother turned the tables when she, with great drama, exposed to everyone the unchristian private lives of many of those same school board members. The point of the song was to expose self-righteous hypocrisy, and it got that across very well. But maybe the lesson should go even further. Maybe both sides needed to change their ways and step up to the example of Christ. Neither should have used the other as an excuse should justify their own actions. Jesus Christ laid out in the New Testament the way he wants Christians to act. He said in Luke 6:46, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? The way of a Christian is the way of obedience to Christ. It's doing what he said. It's following his example. Not just calling him Lord, but living in action in a way that acknowledges his rulership in our life. That's how we should live. That's how those who profess Christ should walk. And what a different world it would be if that were the case. This subject about the church, about the next generation, and about hope is a topic that cries out for attention today. And that's why we're offering the booklet, What is a True Christian? It's as current as today's news. It's an issue that becomes more relevant with each passing day. As we enter an age when church attendance is dissolving before our eyes, we need to go back to the basics and find out what was Christianity for in the first place. You'll find this booklet eye-opening and inspiring. Don't forget to order What is a True Christian? Call, write, or click for your free copy. Order it today. Today's offer is yours absolutely free. No cost, no obligation. Visit us online at tomorrowsworld.org. Find us on Facebook, watch us on YouTube, and follow us on Twitter. In the last segment, we saw that Christ wants men and women as His disciples who are genuine and authentic in their profession and walk with God. He's not pleased with those who live a double standard. But it goes beyond even that. It's not just ethical behavior God's looking for. As Luke 6 said, Christ is looking for people who will do what He says in belief, in teaching, in following exactly what He commanded. Ask yourself, do the churches you are familiar with in your community, among your circle of friends, actually teach what Christ taught? Many are shocked to find out what their Bible teaches is not what their church teaches. There was a journalist and writer named Joe Kovacs who explained this in the book he wrote back in 2008, Shocked by the Bible. 
Here are several things he mentions that churches believe and teach which are in direct contradiction to the Bible. None of the following items are mentioned in the Bible concerning the birth of Jesus. The word Christmas, a Christmas tree, hanging ornaments, the exact day, date, or even year Jesus was born, three wise men, a little drummer boy, Yule, Yule logs, wreaths, boughs of holly, mistletoe, colorful lights, eggnog. Here's another one. Can you believe the Bible never specifically says that Jesus Christ died on a Friday? For that matter, can you believe the Bible never says Jesus rose at sunrise on a Sunday morning? Stunning as it sounds, both are true. He's absolutely right. Going on, here's another one of his quotes. Somehow many people have understood that God the Father is the God of the Old Testament and that Jesus is the God of the New Testament. But it's the other way around. Jesus is the God of the Old Testament, and God the Father, though He existed eternally with Jesus, was finally revealed and explained by Jesus in the New. Stunning, isn't it? Truly, it is stunning. Most people assume a lot of things when it comes to church. They assume what their church teaches comes out of the Bible. But many have not checked in their Bible to see what's really true. And yet that's exactly what we're supposed to do. Check up on what we're taught. We have that example of first century Christians doing exactly that as recorded in Acts 17.11. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Notice what Christ said in Matthew 15 verse 7. Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. We can worship God in vain, in futility, in just an empty shell. And that's what a church is, just an empty shell when it discards true Christian ethics and true Christian doctrines. No wonder so many in the next generation are so mixed up when so many churches do and teach things which do not match up with the Bible. Again, even secular philosophers have accurately perceived there's something terribly wrong with modern professing Christianity. As far back as the mid-1850s, the Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard, in his book Attack Upon Christendom, wrote, The Christianity of the New Testament simply does not exist. Here there is nothing to reform. What has to be done is to throw light upon a criminal offense against Christianity, prolonged through centuries, perpetrated by millions, more or less guiltily, whereby they have sought little by little to cheat God out of Christianity and have succeeded in making Christianity exactly the opposite of what it is in the New Testament. That's a powerful observation. And that was back over 150 years ago. How much worse is it today? You know, that's why so many have walked away. Hypocrisy in ethics and empty traditions. But is he correct that the Christianity of the New Testament does not exist at all? 
That's a vital question. That concerns every last one of us. And it's important we get the answer. Let's go to Christ's own words to answer that question. Turn to Matthew 16, 18 with me. He said this, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Think about that for a moment and the implications of that. His true church would not die out. And he also said that because of his faithful followers, he would spare the whole earth. So, is there hope for the next generation? Absolutely. Rock-solid hope. Some, at the end, will be faithfully doing what the Bible says. Jesus promised it, and because of their presence, he said he'd spare the whole world from total annihilation. For those who have the vision in this sea of confusion the world has become, they can seek him in their life. Whatever age they are, they can honor him and obey him and walk with him in their life, and they can be protected from the tragic events coming ahead. Notice in Revelation chapter 3, because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. God will not leave the next generation helpless or hopeless. He'll guide them. All those who are sincerely wishing to be guided and who really want to change, not because of their own power or strength, but because he died for their sins and offers them access to his Holy Spirit. But they can't do it their own way. We can't call the shots. We can't play the hypocrite. And we can't justify our sin just because we think others are somehow getting away with it. That just doesn't cut it. See what he says in Isaiah 55, verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. He will abundantly pardon. He will forgive no matter what we've done if we repent. He'll teach us how to be a true Christian. How to get out of the mess our lives become when we go our own way. But we must humble ourselves, and we must seek Him. And that's what our booklet, What is a True Christian, brings out. God is love. He doesn't want to see the wicked punished. But He cannot compromise on His truth and His righteousness. So we're the ones that have to get in line with Him, not the other way around. The booklet, What is a True Christian, explains that thoroughly, in detail, leaving no confusion. God is faithful and true, and He's calling people into the flock, His flock, to seek Him and to be clean and to be right with Him. Call or write or click for your copy today of What is a True Christian? Today's offer is yours absolutely free, no cost, no obligation. Call now, 1-800-236-0531. Or write to us at the address on your screen. Or visit us online at tomorrowsworld.org.
With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. And be sure to go to tomorrowsworld.org forward slash digital. Have a digital subscription sent right to your email inbox faster than postal mail. Visit us online now. We've seen in today's program that there's a reason why many in the next generation are turning away from their church. They're disillusioned. They're turned off. And they feel empty with the church that's been left to them. But God hasn't left them without hope. His word is there. It's available. If they'll just reach out and anchor themselves in it. And He is faithful. He will forgive. He will encourage and even protect them in the tough days coming. But they must be willing and obedient and submissive to Him. The question is, what about you and me? What are we going to do? You see, we're all in the same boat together. We're all facing the same questions. We all have to look in the mirror and face the truth. We can wring our hands about the way things are today. We can say, ain't it awful that so many young people are adrift. And then we can go on drifting too in our own way, according to the way we are living, without taking a stand ourselves. I don't presume to know what you're thinking. I don't know your specific situation. But it's safe to say many of you are on the fence, so to speak. You know there are some things wrong with your church if you go to church. But you're comfortable. You may have friends or loved ones you don't want to upset. You may have a job or a role in leadership there. You don't want to let them down. You probably sense that if you really do what Christ says, it will upset some people you care about. You might lose their friendship. But who's going to show the next generation how to step out on faith? Who's going to set the example, following Christ's example, so others can follow? Who's going to do it if not you? Early in the program, I quoted from an article by Sam Eaton, the writer and speaker. In the same article, he concluded with these thoughts. Our generation just isn't interested in playing church anymore. Doing mostly the same things they've always done isn't going to turn the tide. The truth is, church, it's your move. It's your move. Do you want to perpetuate empty traditions and patterns that discourage the next generation? If not, be part of the solution. Not preaching at them, not trying to cram it down their throat, but believing the truth, living the truth, and personally walking with God. And being a part of the work that is telling the world the truth, straight out of the pages of the Bible. There is hope for you, for me, for our neighbors, our children, and the whole next generation. Thanks for joining us today. And don't forget to order the literature offered on today's program, What is a True Christian? And remember to tune in again next time as Richard Ames, Gerald Weston, Wallace Smith, and I will continue to shed light each program on the most important issues of the day, straight out of the pages of your own Bible. We're preaching the good news of Christ's coming kingdom in tomorrow's world. And it is good news. See you next time.
To take advantage of today's free offer or view today's program now or anytime, go to tomorrowsworld.org. Find us on Facebook, watch us on YouTube, and follow us on Twitter. The preceding program is produced by the Living Church of God.